0: View, happy Easter. Christ is risen. This morning we gather together to celebrate and to remember that first Easter morning where a group of loyal Jesus following women went to a tomb expecting to find his body and instead found an empty tomb and a risen Savior. And that is the hope that the lens through which we view everything. Now, Uh, Before we dive into talking about resurrection this morning, uh, I had an important kind of family update I wanted to make you as a church community aware of. Uh, Many of you are aware that my family and I, we currently are living in Kitchener, Waterloo. And so that's about an hour away from here in Oakville. And uh, so I've been making the commute in and we've been looking for houses and and all that over the past year. And some of that has been made a little bit more complicated with the pandemic we're facing. But I am excited to announce that this past week, we found a place we, they accepted our offer, and uh, we are going to be moving into the Burlington neighborhood uh, in, in July. So we, we are so excited, Julie, my wife, my kids, Beckett and Alea, we are so excited to be here. And not just because I'm excited to have a little bit less of a drive, but because we are so excited to just be able to fully immerse ourselves in the Forest View community. We are so thankful for all of you who have been praying for us, praying with us, praying for us as we've been navigating this process. It's a crazy market right now, um, but we are just so blown away at the way God, in which God has provided and the way in which you as a community have been supporting us and encouraging us. And uh, we are so excited to be able to move into the neighborhood and for us to get to live out this mission of following Jesus, of being a community where people meet Jesus and become more like him together. So just great news that we are excited about. All right, back to the topic at hand this morning. I mean, how can we talk about anything but resurrection? The the, the idea that Jesus is alive. that, That first Easter morning, the tomb was empty And instead, they discovered a risen person. Resurrection is an interesting topic to talk about. And in fact, it's one of those things that for many of us, it might make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's one of those things that might seem a little bit strange or foreign. And I know for some Christians, it's even something they feel a little bit embarrassed about. I've come across multiple biblical scholars, people who have spent their lives studying the Bible, and yet for whatever reason, they feel the need to have to relegate the resurrection to being something that's metaphorical. Uh, that Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. In fact, what the Bible is trying to tell us is that, um, that Jesus was alive within the church as they remembered who he was and lived out his love through their lives. Now, now, this is beautiful, and there's a degree of truth to the fact that Jesus was very much alive in the church, but I think they miss out on the driving force that allowed the church to be the church because the resurrection isn't some nice idyllic situation where we just think, oh, well, it's just a nice metaphor for us to think that ultimately everything works out in the end. No, the resurrection is the foundation for everything else that we call following Jesus. It is the thing that makes sense of the people that God has called us to be. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Corinthian church, this group of of, uh, of uh, Gentile Christians, people who have converted to following Jesus, they're wrestling with this idea around resurrection. It seems like it's something that is not a popular or attractive view in their world, uh, that they are something that they feel embarrassed about or that they're not really sure if they fully believe in it. And Paul here, he begins to talk to them about the, what the gospel really is and about how key the resurrection is to that. Essentially, Paul is saying that this is not just a nice metaphor. If there is not a resurrection from the dead, if Christ has not been raised, we are in trouble. There is no Christianity. Uh, join me uh, in reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We will start, I'm going to read verse 14, and then we're going to skip to verse 17. Here's what Paul writes. And if Christ has not been raised... Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Now I want to walk through Paul's logic here for us this morning. Now, Paul begins, he says, if Christ has not been raised. Now, this is a significant word that often we will just breeze right past. What does it mean to be raised? Why is that so important that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Well, first off, we need to understand that Paul is a follower of Jesus, and Jesus was a rabbi and someone who was claimed to be the Messiah, God's anointed, the person who was going to establish God's reign and rule in the world. However, Jesus's ministry, his life, the, the, the kind of movement that, he was, that was circled around him, that he was bringing out into the world and bringing out in his followers, was something that posed a challenge to both the political and religious status quo. The the political elites, he made them uncomfortable. And the religious elites were uncomfortable with the way in which Jesus claimed a certain kind of relationship with his father, with God. And this particular relationship that Jesus embodies and shares and proclaims is something that begins to make them frightened. Because in Jesus, they see a certain kind of intimacy with God. In Jesus, they see him acting in a certain authoritative way on behalf of God, doing things like forgiving people of their sins and inviting the people, the the, the religious train train wrecks, the prostitutes, the the lepers, the, the, the tax collectors, the people who have been ostracized and pushed away by the good religious people. He's actually embracing them and eating meals with them and welcoming them into God's kingdom. He has a radical different understanding about who's in and who's out. And he has a radical new understanding about where the power center for the religious faith of Judaism lies. For for the religious elite, it was the temple and the priests. But for Jesus, he actually saw it in himself. And finally, in Jesus, there was this hope for the reign of God breaking out into the world. Jesus was not put to death because he was nice and friendly and told interesting stories and because he told everybody to love each other. Rather he was put to death because the kind of love that he embodied brought all sorts of tension with the world around him. Now Messiahs a Messiah their job was to liberate the people to set them free. And typically, in fact, almost always, it was a violent act where the Messiah would come in, God's anointed would come in and drive out the enemies of God. And yet in the Jesus story, we see he ends up on a cross. I mean, within that culture, a dead Messiah was a failed Messiah. For them, they looked at Jesus and said, well, clearly he was not God's anointed. Otherwise, this would have ended quite differently And yet Paul and the other first Christians point out again and again that Jesus died, he was buried, but then God raised him back to life. It was almost as if God stamps his approval on Jesus' entire movement, his ministry, his life, his teaching, and everything he was calling his disciples into. It was as if God said, no, no. Jesus is right, and the way that he is showing is the way, is the true way in which all are called into. It is the stamp of approval by God. And so for the first Christians, this is, this is so important because for them, it was not just simply about something that Jesus did, but it is about understanding his entire life and his entire invitation to become his disciple and realizing, oh wait, God is saying, this is the true way to live. Let's return to that verse, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. For Paul, he's speaking to this community. He's saying, if Jesus has not really been raised up by God, if Jesus is not who we claim him to be, you need to realize that our preaching, our proclamation about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, it doesn't actually do anything. And your faith, you're entrusting yourself over to him, that is absolutely and completely pointless. And then skipping ahead to verse 17 and 18, it says this, and if Christ has been raised or has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's worthless. It's a lie. You are still in your sins. And then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And so essentially, Paul is saying to this Corinthian community, if Christ has not been raised, the the sin that has gotten a hold of your life, that, that has power and dominion over you, I mean, you're still enslaved to it. And for the people who are a part of our community, who have given their lives over to following Jesus and maybe have experienced persecution of some kind and they've died, just know that they are dead and we have no hope for them at all. The word there is actually lost. It's the same language that the disciples use when they are in the boat with Jesus and they're facing the storm and they cry out, God, save us or we'll be lost. Finally, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And that word there for pitied is this idea of of, uh, being so pathetic you don't even realize how pathetic you are. It's about someone who's in desperate need of God's mercy and compassion. A number of years ago, while I was doing my undergrad, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. This particular friend was a very devout atheist. He had no use for God and and religion and Christianity. And I remember one time we were having a conversation about this, and, and he basically brought the point this. He said, have you ever thought, even thought, what if you're wrong? And I remember hearing this at that particular moment and kind of having this weird, awkward moment. I didn't know how to respond partly because I was walking through my own season of doubt in my own faith, and I didn't want to admit to anyone, no less him, that this was something that I was going through. But but as I read through this text, and quite honestly, as I've read through more and more of the Bible, I've come more and more to terms with the fact that yes, very much so, we have thought about what it means if we're wrong. That here, Paul is actually laying it right out. If we're wrong about who Jesus is, if Christ has not been raised, we are in a terrible situation. I mean, forget the existential dread and nihilism that you can find in like postmodern philosophers. Uh, I mean, just read through 1 Corinthians 15 and you see in Paul just saying, no, no, this really matters. We are taking this seriously. Paul has given his entire life to following Jesus. He knows he is going to face persecution, whether that's prison, beatings, or ultimately death. He knows that it's involving him dealing with all sorts of rejection from the community that once gave him so much support and love. And yet he does all of this because for him in what comes just after this, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 22. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. For Paul and for us as Christians, it all hinges on resurrection. Christianity is not about a morality system. It's not about just just trying to live a certain kind of way that's nice and friendly and maybe makes the world a little bit better place. For Paul, this is about the reign of God in the world. This is about a radical new way about what it means to be human, not found in ourselves, but rather found in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's a new way of human that we discover as we surrender and turn over our lives in faith to Jesus. Essentially, we open up our lives and say, God, make us more like him to love what he loves and to love the way that he loves And this kind of love, in the same way that it drove Jesus to confront the challenges, the the, the power structures, the evil and sin and death that was ruling and reigning in his world, it will bring us into tension with the world around us. But Paul says, no, Jesus is alive. And the amazing thing is, is that through the resurrection, through his spirit at work in our lives. He is making us alive too. I thought this was an interesting exercise. I want to try something. Uh, I realize this is a little bit, uh, uh, for some people, might be a bit of a dangerous thing. So, uh, but what I want to do is, I actually want to look at these verses that we've just read through, but I want to look at the inverse around them. First Corinthians 15, 14, here's its inverted verse. We have read what's true if Christ has not been raised, but here's what's true if Christ has been. And if Christ has been raised, our preaching matters, and so does your faith. If Christ has been raised, we have incredible good news to proclaim to the world. If Christ has been raised, That your commitment and turning over your life in faith to him is not something to be mourned. It is not something to be embarrassed about. It is not something to feel like you are wasting your life on. It is something so worthwhile. in the inverse of verses 17 and 18, and if Christ has been raised, your faith has power and you have been set free from your sins that selfish drive within yourself to pursue comfort and pleasure and your own desires, that that doesn't have to reign in your body anymore. Rather, now you belong to Jesus. And the consequences and the destructive path that that kind of way of living will lead you on doesn't have to be your ultimate destination. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they're not lost those who have given over their lives in faith, we have a hope that goes beyond death. And finally, the inverse of verse 19. If all we have in this life is the hope of Christ's resurrection life, even if we have nothing, we have everything. Whatever it is that you lose as you turn over your life to Jesus, you will find so much more in his resurrection power in your life. The theologian, Jaroslav Penelikin he writes this, if Christ is not risen, then nothing else matters. And if Christ is risen, then nothing else matters. You can see why Paul and the first Christians that they were willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. Recently, my family and I, my kids, we've been reading through the Chronicles of Narnia. For those unfamiliar, they're a book series written by C.S. Lewis that revolve around a magical land called Narnia. And uh, the book that we started with was a book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is about a magical portal in a wardrobe that transports these uh, four siblings into this magical land of Narnia, where there are talking animals and different kinds of beasts and monsters. And most significantly, there is a uh, the king of this world is a lion called Aslan, who very much is like a a metaphor, an allegory for Jesus. And there is this line that uh, just resonated with me as I read it, and I want to share it with you. Uh, In this particular part of the story, the children have arrived in Narnia, and they're just finding out who Aslan is, this lion, this true king of Narnia. And they're hearing about this from Mr. Beaver. And upon hearing that this king is a lion, the one person asks, well, is, is he safe? And here's... The response, safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. In our particular culture, and I think just in general, part of being human is that we desire to always move towards the place that is safe and secure and comfortable. But when you are a follower, a disciple, an apprentice of the crucified Messiah, Jesus Christ. You're not following him into safety. You're following him into resurrection. And that means you can live with the same kind of self-giving sacrificial love because you know that sin and evil and death do not get the last word but that the ultimate answer to evil and death in our world is resurrection. And so you can entrust yourself to Jesus. You can entrust, you can hand over, you can place in his hands and give your life over to him. You can place in his hands, your hopes and your dreams and your passions and ask him to lead you and guide you and direct you. And you can place in his hands, your relationships and your friendships and your family. You can place in his hands your career, uh, your, your relationship to your finances, and your money. You can place in his hands your reputation, and your legacy, and what people say about you when you leave the room. You can place in his hands your success, and the stuff that you're proud of. And you can also place within his hands your doubts, and your fears, and all of the insecurities that you find yourself dealing with. You can place in his hands your loneliness, your attractions, and the questions you're wrestling with around sexuality and desire. You can place in his hands addictions that you are dealing with and the way in which you are trying to earn the approval of others or the way in which you are trying to seize control in a life that so often feels out of your control. And you can do all of this, not because it will be safe, but because he is good. Death does not get the last word. Christ is risen.